everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on a beautiful Sunday here in D.C. Uh, today's show, there's something fishy about today's show. I had to say it. It's in my head. I had to say it. We're, we've got a group of people in this Not a single laugh, not even a, a little bit, not even a giggle. Because I think they've heard it. Okay. But we got a group of guys in here whose various and very successful businesses all revolve around each other and around one simple premise that good seafood, often sustainable seafood, is good to eat, good to cook, good for Mother Earth, and good for you. So today you're going to hear from some legends in the uh, from the uh, across the local food scene. Tony Seibel's here. He's the a living legend. He is a living legend. He's the founder and proprietor of world-famous Tony and Joe's on the Georgetown Harbor waterfront. He was the guy that brought you the dancing crab on Wisconsin Avenue, where I used to woo unsuspecting maidens. Not me. I Unsu wasn't alive yet. Unsuccessfully. No, I wooed you later. Mm -hmm. um, and Tony's been presiding over diners and uh, happily on the waterfront for decades. We're going to hear from him uh, and also from his chef, Dave Stein, about just the, the, the changing seafood scene on the waterfront and beyond in D.C. Pro Fish owner Greg Kasten and John Rohrpaw, who is Pro Fish's director of Sustainable, are here. We're going to talk in talk a, uh, a bit about how the green movement spawned a movement uh, in seafood, too, because sustainable is a relatively new thing. Well, and also they're really working hard on zero waste, which I think is fascinating, so I want to get a little bit into that as well. Right, but we want to talk about, yeah, about, about how, because... If left to our own devices, because we are predators, human beings will fish out the oceans, and then we'll all be, it'll look like one big, I don't know, toilet bowl. It would be nothing. So okay. these guys are helping to save the oceans. Mm -hmm. Dr. Ron Goodman is here. Now, why is Ron a doctor? Ron's, Ron is a brainy guy. Ron is... He doesn't have a stethoscope, though, around he was, his neck. Because he's not that kind of doctor. Right. He's a food doctor. Yeah, he's a me, food doctor. He's a Thank food you, Tony. Doctor. Well, this fish looks dead. <laughs> anyway, um, Ron was he was a chef. He was in the first graduating class of the CIA out of Hyde Park. He's also got a PhD in psychology, right? Neuroscience. Neuroscience. Oh, that's even brainier. Right. And, and we're going to talk about uh, the impact of, uh, you know, everybody always says that seafood is brain food, and I said... Why is that, Ron? He told me. I still don't understand why. And we're going to talk about that. And he's now a co-owner, along with a guy named Greg Casson, of the Ivy City Smokehouse, which is an unbelievable restaurant over behind the old Hex Warehouse. Remember where you used Michelin to... A Michelin Bib Award winner. Yeah, Bib Gourmand Award winner. We're, so we're going to hear about that. And, of course, uh, Greg Casson is here, uh, uh, along with John. We're going to hear about Ivy City and more. And Clifton Brown, who's the GM at Tony and Joe's, is in... No. He is a GM at Ivy City, Ivy but he City, started sorry. at Tony and Joe's. It's a Tony little incestuous here in studio today. There's a lot of like you guys are a lot like cocker spaniels, right? Exactly. I, you know, Hard yeah. to figure out who's where with who. I hope you better behave than cocker spaniels. Right, exactly. All right, but before we get to these guys, uh, we want to go to Debbie Moser, who, along with her husband Mitch Berliner, runs Central Farm Markets. Debbie, are you there? I am here. Good morning, Debbie. How Hi, Debbie. How are you? I'm so glad to have you on this morning. Yeah, a little bit of a change. Well, it's right. better to have someone who's more urbane and erudite than Mitch Aww, telling us about what's going go. on at Central Farm Markets. What's happening at the markets today? Well, I love your show and talking about sustainable seafood. We have lobster mania at all of our markets. 
and they carry the Ivy City Smokehouse products here. Oh, you carry so Ivy City Smokehouse, Smokehouse products, products at, at Central, Central Farm, Farm Markets. Markets. Pretty cool. So it's kind of nice tie-in. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all preening like like peacocks here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're all about sustainable. They've got Faroe Island salmon today and mm-hmm. some beautiful fishes. We also, as I was walking down the market, had to stop by the uh, cheesemonger because he has a semi-soft cow's milk that's new this week called a la marquee. Yum. And um, a three milk, this blew my mind, a three milk brie with cow, goat, and sheep's milk. Oh, have so, you tried uh, that? Yeah. And it just, I mean, I just love these things. We have fresh baked pies. And even though the fall is here and we have all the fall things, we have a beautiful celery at Twin Springs Fruit Farm that is the best celery I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And we still have tomatoes. And we Isn't have, that amazing? Uh, it's almost the end we of were, October. We were out at Homestead Farms yesterday. Tomatoes. tomatoes. Delicious are the size tomatoes. Of basketballs. Yeah. Tomatoes, lettuces. We have fresh ginger. Um, think of the squashes and the pumpkins with fresh ginger in them. I mean, just amazing. Well, and I think people um, should know that fresh ginger is so much different than the ginger that you would get in the market. Right. You know, it doesn't have that. It's a different color, and it's got such a different flavor. It it really adds so much. It really gives a umami to any it's dish a, that you use it in. Umami, exactly. umami. Your mommy. Yeah, right. thank uh, you. Thanks, Stephanie. milder, and um, we have uh, fresh mushrooms here. And, you know, you put all three of those together, the squashes, the ginger, the mushrooms. You've got a great soup coming up. Yeah, that sounds so, delicious. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. everybody. So, so after the show, you should, should head to Bethesda Central Farm Markets and pick up all these delicious goodies. Well, wait. To also, wait, you're out at Rockville also, Pike, you're at Mosaic, and you're at the Bethesda right. Elementary parking lot. That's right. So we're in Bethesda, Mosaic, and Fairfax, and Pike. And uh, you can always go on our website at centralfarmmarkets.com and see all of our vendors and see what's new. And we just love having you all out here. It's a big, big day today because the weather's gorgeous. All right. Have a great day, Debbie. Say hi to me. Enjoy it out there today. All right. Bye-bye. So let's turn to Tony Seibel. No, Sybil. no, Sybil. And we're not going to. Did turn I say Seibel? You did. I meant Sybil. And we're going to Clifton. Clifton. Clifton We're not going to turn to Tony Sybil. We're going to turn to Clifton. Hi, so, Clifton Brown. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. All right, so Clifton, you started at Tony and Joe's as a bartender, right? Nick's Riverside. Nick's Riverside actually. first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I started at Nick's Riverside last year. Last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, and then where did you go? Like, give us a little background here. So, I, you know, I've been drinking down there for years. Such a great spot on the waterfront. I, I wouldn't decided, admit it. Like, decided, I wouldn't decided, say it decided, quite decided, like decided, that. Okay. Decided for me to make some money yeah. with them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I started bartending, uh, bartending down there, spent about a year um, mixing, working, loving it down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, one night, Greg came in, pulled me aside. We had a long conversation, um, building on things we've been talking about in the past. He says, I have a great restaurant. He's like, you need to go check it out. We need to take it to the next level. So I told him I wanted a week to go in, spend some time, watch the staff, try the food. I went in there for dinner on a Monday night. Before I left, I emailed him, let's talk numbers. It was such a great experience from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I knew I was in. Okay, so were you behind the bar originally, or were you always a GM? Uh, Ivy City, I took over as GM. No, right. I never worked as a bar- bartender at Ivy City. Okay, no, what about at Nick's Nick Riverside? I started Grill. as a bartender. Okay, yeah. so you're going to make some cocktails today, right? What are we going to start with? So we're going to start with the BCA Lemonade, the Breast Cancer Awareness Lemonade. We're promoting it this month. Um, real sweet, um, fruity lemonade, essentially, but we're mm-hmm. donating 50 cents off of everyone that we've sold over the entire month 
to breast cancer research. And this uh, is at all the restaurants? This is only at Ivy City Smokehouse. Only at Ivy City Smokehouse. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is available there. Okay, mm -hmm. so tell us quickly what's in it. So uh, this morning I'm using Pama pomegranate liqueur. Mm -hmm. We've got some fresh strawberry puree and a local-made vodka from uh, 18 Distillery, which is the uh, district-made. right around the corner from you guys. Yeah, district-made vodka. We try to try to keep as local as we can, even even in the drinks. So that's, that's it, nice and simple. All, All right, right, good. We're going to let you get to making that. And now, Tony. Tony Now Sibble. the moment is yours, Tony. Here's the We're question. to you. Uh, uh, many moons ago, you owned Barrel Liquors on 14th Street, correct? Yes. How did you end up in the food biz? Because you went from there to what? To Dancy Crab, am I correct? Or well, no? there was one in between. Um, we opened a place called Soul Palace at 14th and Rhode Island Northeast. And uh, Well, you were a real visionary, Tony. Well, Jerry Lustein, a real estate guy, mm -hmm. whose office is right next to the, the Barrel House, said he had this space uh, for a, a restaurant, beer and wine, carry out and so forth. And um, we opened it. And I found out you make a lot more money selling booze by the glass than you do by the bottle. Oh, well, there you go. Simple math. So I go. said, this is <laughs> I am a restaurateur. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you wind up with the Tony and Joe's project? Because that's, the harbor was brand new. Well, what happened was, uh, after that, I bought the Dancing Crab mm -hmm. with Joe Rinaldi, and um, it was it's a booming restaurant. I mean, it was fantastic. Right. And that's when Greg started with me and my mm -hmm. two boys. And Greg is your nephew, nephew, nephew right? Okay. And his brother. Mm -hmm. We all started. They all started at the Dancing Crab. And then um, we were there for 30 years. And then... Um, Herb Miller, who built Washington Harbor, right. Right. came down and said, Tony, and I want you to... Mills and lots of other things. Oh, yeah. Potomac Mills, Mills. Uh, Sawgrass Mills yep, in Florida. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's the Mills guy. He's a, he's a visionary, yeah. that guy. And um, he said, look, I want you to put a Tony... I mean, a uh, dancing crab down at the harbor. And I went down. It was, you know, the place wasn't even finished. I said, these fancy apartments, it will stink. You know, we can't do it. But how about a seafood restaurant? Tony and Joe's. And that's how it started. And Greg, at the time, was the GM at, at the Crab. Mm -hmm. So he came down from the day we opened wow. to Tony and Joe's. Mm -hmm. And my, old, my other son, Nick, was getting out of college, so he went to the Crab to run the Crab. So as you were coming, so how did you go from, because Dancing Crab uh, concept was pretty simple. basic and simple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tony and Joe's was a very different concept. That was, a, I mean, the real estate at that point, you know, it was very high end. Yeah. So how did you come up with what you wanted there? I mean, Ron was the executive chef there, right? When yep. you started? When we opened, right. So how was it? What did you want there? We what wanted we... quality seafood. Yes. Okay. Quality seafood. Mm -hmm. High end. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've, we've had wonderful people in the kitchen, starting mm -hmm. with Ron mm -hmm. and now with David Stein. Mm -hmm. And uh, it took off. What happened was we spent a fortune on advertising. Mm -hmm. That nothing, works. Nothing it's amazing. Happened. Oh, stop nothing, it. Wait a minute. Why wasn't I in the business then? Right, exactly. No, nothing happened, really. I'm talking about, now this is 30 years ago, you mm -hmm. know, a couple hundred thousand. You were in the business then. Where were you? I think it was Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. We were supposed to open in June. We didn't get open until October. And I'm sitting down there. It's freezing cold. The wind. Right. No business. I said, what have I done? <laughs> and then... Phyllis Richmond, 
put an ad, a big article in the paper said, Tony and Joe's a contender on the waterfront. <whistles> that was it. That was it. And that you know what that cost? Nothing. Nothing, right? Nothing. So Even though people didn't think that at the time. Everybody 30 years ago, and then, then we took over uh, one of the restaurants that had failed down there mm-hmm. and, and opened a place called uh, the Pasta Pasta Place. Pasta Place. <laughs> and it was all right, but after a while, uh, we, we decided that uh, we changed it to Riverside Grill. Mm-hmm. I kind of copied the name from New York, you know, in Brooklyn. You yep, know that? I know it. Because we're on the river, Riverside Grill. And so we opened that, and that's when Dean, I mean, Nick, my son, came from the Dancing Crab to down to run Riverside Grill. My youngest son, Dean, then was out of college and took took over at the we Dancing We have like 48 Crab. children and nephews. And <laughs> well, he's got to keep everybody in the uh, pipe. Oh, yeah. I've got line, good right? news for you. I'm, I'm related to you, too. Tony. Right. Oh, good. <laughs> um, so anyhow, uh, Greg was a... Uh, um, was an accountant, mm-hmm. and he was working to get his uh, CPA. CPA, and he was working at the rest at the Crab part time. And our manager uh, was leaving to go open his own restaurant, which was fine with us. And Greg said, "Uncle Tony, I'd like this job." I was shocked. I said, "I, th- I thought you were going to be an accountant." Said, "No, I, I can't stand sitting." Uncle in Tony, this sounds like the Jewish Soprano. <laughs> So it's definitely a family business. It's a family business. Oh, definitely. And and so Greg took over as GM at, mm-hmm. at the Crab, and uh, you know it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Really. All right, we're going to stop you for a sec because we got to go commercial. commercial but real quick, who's Joe? Joe Rinaldi. Joe Rinaldi, your famous guy here. Uh, he, he was a Capital Cadillac. He was the number one Cadillac oh, salesman that's in Joe. the country. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did a lot of stuff with Pete Boynis. You remember Pete Boynis? I know the name. Yeah. I'm a little bit younger than you. Just a little bit. A lot younger. (laughs) Tony knows the food history or the restaurant history in D.C. like no one else. Oh, well, next time. All right. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We are getting a culinary history of D.C. in studio. We'll be back in just a bit. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Before we get back to the show, we want to thank our sponsors who make the show possible. Not the least of which is our friends at Profish. We're in, uh, they did. They took over the studio today. Yay! We're going to be talking all about that. Uh, Central Farm Markets, the wonderful market at River Falls, mm-hmm. with Tim McWhirter's operation and Celebrity Cruises. Thanks for uh, back in the show. Tony, let's go back to you, and let's feed in Ron and Greg and John, because you had a seafood restaurant. And then at some point, the decision was made, well, the seafood we're getting is not the seafood we want. How did all that happen, and what transpired after that? Well, well Greg uh, started Pro Fish yeah. with one truck. But I mean, was that was that the idea that he? The he, idea was I mean, to talk about better together, fish, Greg? and also to eliminate the middleman. Right. I mean, obviously, the damned middlemen. That was definitely a big issue. The the, the, the the biggest issue really is Ron taught us very early, if the raw material's not right. The product at the end is not going to be right. You can be the greatest chef in the world, but if you start with a piece of fish that's old or doesn't have the right characteristics or doesn't meet the test of a, of a executive chef like Dave Stein or Ron Goodman who know those qualities, you're not going to put out a good product. And be in our search for that, yes, in Tony's way, we always want to go – direct and get as close as you can to the source. But in our search for that. But Ron, did you, I mean, you were already a a CIA graduate. Had you already done, gotten a doctoral degree and you were doing, I mean, was part of this? 
Who? Not in those days. You went back no, to we, school? We had a restaurant. My brother and I had a restaurant on K Street from 77 to 84. And uh, then I smoked fish from 84 to 87. And then I met I mean, Greg that sounds like you did some sort of drugs or something. You know, and then I sort of disappeared for a while and smoked some fish. Smoked and some then fish. I came back, you know? Hard to keep them lit. But yeah, yeah, okay. Ron's nickname is the Mad Scientist, by the mm -hmm. way. With good reason, obviously. But I want to just go back for a second. So, Greg, how did you, so you and Ron talked about, like, the quality of the fish and what you, what, what Ron wanted. I and had, obviously you want to get the middleman out of it, but then how did you create? So I spent my childhood growing up south of Boston on, in a little beach town, and I would crew in the summertime on a, a day boat, lobster boat, mm -hmm. uh, really when I was 15, 16. And I had some contacts, and I was able to start bringing lobsters and flounder were the two fish that it started with, and as Tony mentioned... We found a little place over in Northeast D.C. today that's known as Ivy City. Right. ProFish has been headquartered there for 30 years or 28 years. Tony and Joe's now, is 30 years Now, for people who don't old. know, that's behind the old Hex Warehouse, which was known as an Art Deco landmark and a dump when I worked for Hex up New York. It's a beautiful Avenue. building now. Now it is gorgeous. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. The whole area. It, it's a, it's a, it was a very rough area that now is home to eight, uh, eight distilleries and three uh, breweries and, and multifamily and residential and 400 multifamily just built and 1200 coming and i think there's now five restaurants in ivy city mm -hmm. when before there was the ivy city grill which was run by a, a wonderful old african american lady who made the best breakfast for about 100 miles and every trucker in town knew it mm -hmm. but that was the only thing that was ivy city was known for so it's an up and coming so what were the challenges Back then, because you would have to basically throw a lot of ice in the truck, throw the, the fish on the ice and the lobsters on the ice. And so working for Tony at the Dancing Crab, we went to the airport every day. Mm -hmm. So we were already in the habit of picking up product and bringing it back anyway. What so about the, the fish markets that were here then? Were they So were most they of the fish markets suppliers? then, they're wholesalers. Generally, a restaurant will not go to a market. In fact, on Main Avenue, they're right. technically not allowed to sell Commercially, that's okay. entirely for fishing men of the Potomac River to come up, park, and sell their wares to like the general public. Like a farmer's market. Public. It's sort of evolved into something different. Mm -hmm. um, well, but right no, now. so you would get, you would basically get your fish from a wholesaler in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. Rarely you might find a local supplier who might have caught rockfish or, or porgies or spots or something that might be on your menu. But seafood is such a worldwide resource that you have to have somebody with knowledge who can begin to accumulate it and knows how to handle it. Seafood has to be maintained at, at very, it's not like beef, it's not like any other protein. It's the last pro, uh, protein predicated on the hunt, mm -hmm. center of plate protein. Well, I want to bring in actually John first, yeah. if you don't mind. So how did you, and Greg, you can sort of start this. How did you go from just getting the kind of fish and really fresh quality fish to starting to talk about sustainability i mean you guys sort of you so pivoted I, a little I, bit you're not just selling quality food you're also selling responsible food that's a movement that we thanks to john who i hope is going to speak here have become a leader in that's a movement that you know there's always been a back and forth between how much you can catch and how much you can harvest and the united states as a whole as a country has really gone through a learning process of that and during that time, scientists from NOAA and other places were reaching out. And, and frankly, John had the vision to be involved and brought to my attention to say, hey, 
we, I know we try to do this, but we need to really make sure we try to do this and let people know. And, and the reason we wanted to let people know is awareness. A lot of people, of course, didn't realize how bad the fishing habits were out there. Um, more internationally than domestically, I have to give NOAA a, a whole bunch of credit. Mm -hmm. The management system of the domestic fisheries, which unfortunately only res are responsible for 15% of the total seafood sales in America, are excellent. It's, it's now trying to take this message and, and lead the consumer to, to shop based on on knowledge of where the source comes well, that's, from. Well, let's bring John in. Let's also bring Ron in, too, because, because again, seafood is supposed to be brain food. It's supposed to be, I mean, the best thing for you, essentially. Kind of talk the sustainability movement and how that's spread and, 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 and why sustainable seafood. And, Ron, step up, too. Why is it good for you? Because Well, you it, asked two questions. So, John, why don't you answer the first question? Why don't you answer then, all my questions at once, John? And then Ron well, will bring you in to talk about the second question. Well, hello. Hi. Um, so all seafood's good for you. Um, all seafood is not responsible or resp responsibly harvested. You know, if numbers don't lie, 90% of the seafood that's consumed in the United States is imported here. And about 60 to 70% of our high-quality seafood is exported. So what are we left with? We're left with a lot of wholesalers and broadliners that just well, stay with that trend. Why is that so? Why are we sending away good fish and bringing in somebody because else? Because people want Because there's want other the markets, salmon. and there's other markets that'll pay premiums for Alaskan salmon. The Japanese will pay premiums for high-grade tuna uh, mm -hmm. that we can't, you know, we can't compete with those uh, But those do you fisheries. think that there's also an issue, and we've, I mean, listen, you've been on the show before. We've done roundtables with Noah and, you know, uh, lots of other people to talk about uh, last year, actually, about sustainability. But one of the core things has to be education of the consumer. An educated consumer is going to have a better understanding, not only of sustainable fish, but eating other fish. Correct. And that's what we're really good at, at ProFish. So over the years, we've taken a path to bring in more domestic seafood. Mm -hmm. we're, we're polar opposite of the natural, the national average because mm -hmm. of what we've done over the last 15 years in, in learning who the fishermen were and trying to buy as much domestic product as we can. You know, the next movement is traceability. Mm -hmm. So you can't have sustainability without traceability. So you have to know where that fish comes from. Mm -hmm. If it's coming to us from, you know, Micronesia, it's really hard to get to know that fisherman sure. or Japan or wherever yeah. it's coming from overseas. And on you, that, Nikki, I would tell you that a law just passed where a retailer needs to know the vessel, the country and the vessel where a ship, where a particular product came from. I mean, uh, seafood uh, sustainability, but seafood management, worldwide management is a, a hugely complex issue because fish are migratory in nature and tuna and swordfish and mahi to, you know, some of the breeding grounds aren't even really 100% understood and known. And these fish will go from Europe to Canada to South America, um, the Pacific Ocean. There's a, a, a bunch of different countries. So each step that moves forward, the little waves, makes a difference. Your consumer today should be asking after January 1st, 2018, hey, who caught that fish mm -hmm. and where? Because those, those questions are what change things for us and okay. change things for our chefs. So the consumer should be asking those as well. You know. So now, well, let me ask you. So if you're selling to a restaurant, a chef, a restaurant group, or a market, you're providing them with that information. Correct. Okay. So after twenty eight, so after the new year, if I'm in a restaurant, I can say they should know who caught that fish. They should. Okay. But we're not. We're, we're skipping around something. 
to to farm fish. When you think of fish, you're not planting anything. They're swimming around out there. So well, how do they farm. actually do it? And how does it, how do the fish stay healthier or be healthier? Let me or amend that. How do the good ones do it versus the bad ones? Yeah, because the there bad. are good farms, good fish farms that are doing it right, and then there are bad fish farms that are not doing it right. So fish farming and and is different, a little different than the wild catch, obviously, <laughs> obviously. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so how do there's they, how do they contain there's them? There's so and how many do they different methods of fish. They... It depends on what the species is and and what you're you're trying. There's pens and there's recirculating tanks and there's all sorts of Ron can actually speak to a project he's looking at in Baltimore. Well, let's, let's hear about Come it. Come on, don't be so shy, Ron. <laughs> tell him about some bronzini, Ron. Are you thinking about that? So yeah. Um, at the Institute for Marine and Environmental Technology in, in Baltimore, Yoni Zohar has been, uh, he's probably one of the premier aquaculture scientists in the world. He takes Baltimore City water, turns it into uh, seawater, um, very clean, very sustainable. He uses so all he salinates waste. the water? He salinates the water, yeah. Huh. He, cl- he filters the city water. He, he, he then adds salt and, and other minerals that are usually in seawater, um, adjusts pH and cleans it. Or com- he has very effective biofilters. He takes, he has very little waste and he uses that waste to generate methane and to turn his lights on and really amazing. Call so in, a, wait, wait. in a warehouse. Right, I was gonna ask, so where is this? It's in so a warehouse? Right, it's a couple blocks down from the aqua- Baltimore Aquarium. Okay. And it's in the basement, it's an 18,000 square foot basement, and it's there, and you can you can make arrangements so to go see him. he em. has, what kind of fish? Just one kind of fish? Bronzini and Dorad, or, okay. or sea bream right now, but he works with, he's been doing amazing work with bluefin tuna. And um, it's healthy? Oh yeah. Because really, isn't that really one of the problems stuff. with like farmed, some farmed fish uh, fisheries is that um, the you fish know, are sort of swimming in weight. Like it's not it's not healthy for the fish. Do you know what I mean? Like that was the problem with tilapia a couple of years back. That these farms were just kind of gross. So again, I think that goes to oversight of the farm and the uh, BAC best a- BAP best aquaculture practices. Mm-hmm. And it's just like in the wild, you can get people that. Do it right, and you can get people that cut corners. And Mm -hmm. to your point about the tilapia in Vietnam, they were just putting them in in so little water and pumping oxygen in, and their their byproduct would go into the water and go back into that. It was really a bad experience. Correct. Usually price is a great indicator. Nobody likes to pay top dollar for seafood, and I know everybody thinks a seafood restaurant is most expensive. But usually the expensive ones are because they're buying the right raw material. Okay, on that note, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is David and Nikki Nellis. We're getting a uh, sustainable seafood education in studio, and there's more to come. We'll be back in just a minute. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to a whole bunch of people from Tony and Joe's and ProFish and the Ivy City Smokehouse. Um, Clifton Brown is uh, 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 GM over at uh, the Smokehouse, mm-hmm. and he's also he's a former bartender, uh, but he's jumped back. But he's into still his... got skills. So t- you know, sorry, we've we've been to plenty of events thanks to John Rohrpaw's invitations and, and, and great, excellent the great service there, um, uh, and we've had amazing drinks there. So who? designed the the cocktail program at Ivy City. So it's it's pretty interesting concept what they went with when they designed the uh, the cocktail program that that 
that was established before I came in three months ago. And what they did is they partnered with the local distilleries and had them bring in their own representatives and said, we want to support the local culture. Here's some ingredients. Show us what highlights the qualities of your drink, your your liquors best. And so uh, with that, uh, New Columbia, uh, Joseph A. Magnus, all I mean, came in and designed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's a <laughs> mecca over there. It's a mecca You don't even have to there. truck it in. You can walk it over. <laughs> we did that earlier this week. I had to walk over. Run a little <laughs> short on something. I went and beat on the door and I said, here you go. We'll, uh, we'll be about to have a drink later on. So it, it, it all works out pretty well. And we're going to maintain that we're... Um, excited about going into the next season, so mm-hmm. we're working on new items for for the menus, and uh, I'll be making I'll be making a cocktail that'll be featured for the the fall and winter. All right, what is it? What are you going to make now? So it's going to be a New York sour. Um, one of the things that I've always believed in is taking simple, classic greatness and just continuing it. Small tweaks or changes. So this is this is an older cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, you use bourbon whiskey or rye as the base, mm-hmm. fresh lemon juice, sugar, or simple syrup. Um, and you emulsify it with, with egg whites. So we're actually going to be doing uh, pasteurized egg whites at the restaurant mm-hmm. um, to make sure that, that everything's clear and safe. And it gives this really great body to it. And then the thing that makes it a non-traditional sour is it's topped with a great red wine. So I'll, right. I'll be using a red blend out of Now, did you, are you doing Columbia rye Valley. or whiskey? What are you uh, using? I'll be using Murray Hill. Uh, Joseph A. Magnus's mm-hmm. bourbon whiskey. So. It's lovely. Oh, my no God. It's my favorite. All right. Mix it up. Okay. So I want to get back to, to John Rohrpaw. Now, John, we've all seen Finding Nemo and Finding Dory, which I took to be documentaries, <laughs> and I, I feel that I understand That's his seafood. fish education. I understand seafood completely. He thinks they um, talk. He's, he's a PhD in Disney. Before we leave, <laughs> my mommy puts it on for me. Um, before we leave the whole issue of sustainability, let's talk about those those fish farms, essentially, out in the middle of the ocean. Because there is that feeling that fish that fish that are farmed might not be the healthiest because they're kept in confined areas and they don't, you know, it's not clean water, et cetera. I have a great relationship with the media, so I don't want to bash anyone. Um, but we there, are the media, there, was, there was some low-hanging fruit 10 years ago with, with getting that message out that farm rate was, was bad. It wasn't really responsible because there was a lot of farms that were doing it right. Um, so it wasn't a, it wasn't balanced reporting. It wasn't balanced reporting, mm-hmm. and and it's you know people want to be scared of things, mm-hmm. uh, so that's kind of what was reported. Now there's so much to be scared of. I mean, really. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I, I'm only scared of my wife. So, <laughs> so, what what has happened over the last ten or fifteen years is we as a wholesaler ask questions. It went from just what's what's your fish and what's your price. Mm-hmm. It's now probably five or six questions. That's what's your uh, where was it caught? What was the catch method? And when it goes into farmed, you know, there's very sustainable methods, whether it's ocean grown with safe pens so that the fish are not crowded. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also recirculating aquaculture that can be um, kind of revenue builders for cities. You know, as Ron was talking about it, um, we could actually build models that could be built in cities, vertical farms. And, you know, there's other countries that do it very Mm -hmm. successfully. I'm not sure why we're so slow to it, because... So much of that, that 90% that I talked about, a lot of that is farm raised. Mm-hmm. So if we got better in our country at farm raising and, you know, had some governmental help, because it takes a long time I to get I think I see a fish profitable. farm in your future. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I, I want to do it, but I would Farmer love John. to be an evangelical preacher for them. Because uh, I think, it, you know, if we only had wild fish... You know, 100 years from now, we're going to be out, right, of, out of wild fish right. with, with yeah. all the consumption that we well, do. So, Ron, why don't you come up to the mic? Because what I'd like to and know. Dave, we, too. Let's well, we're going to bring Dave in when we finish talking about Tony and Joe's. But, Ron, I want to talk about um, sort of you started at Tony Joe's, but now you're at Ivy City Smokehouse. 
Greg, ha- and how did you all come up with the idea for Ivy City Smokehouse? And what was it that you were looking to put out there? Because you've been smoking fish for a long time. We heard about that earlier. So yeah. what was it you were looking to bring to market? Well, Greg called me about six years ago and said, hey, we can buy some smoking equipment and put it in uh, Pro Fish, in a corner of Pro Fish. And I said, uh, I like the idea. So we went over, we did that for about four years. We were in Pro Fish smoking in a, in a small area of the warehouse. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Greg uh you know, came up with the idea to buy this building across the street. Mm-hmm. And originally it was just going to be the a freezer for ProFish and um, a smoke, and we were going to move the smokehouse over there. Because were you looking to do bigger production of your smoked fish yes. to sell, I assume, right? But yeah. you weren't selling, it was all wholesale, right? All wholesale, yeah. Right, okay. So, you know, we, we started construction over there, and that was a lot of fun. And, uh, and uh, it, it just evolved. And Greg said, hey, let's put a little tavern up there. And then Ron said. And then a roof deck and then right. a private dining room. Yeah, that's where the fish I farm's mean, you know. coming from, right? Right. <laughs> right. And I said this, and then he said that, and we have Ivy City. Well, talk, talk about the, the uh, I mean, for smoked fish for some of us is part of our little. Uh, part of it's our part of, It's part of my molecules uh, growing up. But. There's this thing that says smoked fish is not healthy for you, so it's less what healthy, thing? less healthy. I've heard that that smoked fish it's got you know smoke in it, and that that's bad for you. Well, how do you? Well, why don't we explain the process? The well, wait, how, but how do you react to that? Well, we we smoke at low temperatures. We generate the smoke separate from the actual oven that's cooking the fish and or drying the fish. In the case of Nova and and those kind of things. And we're depositing, you know, clean filtered smoke on these on the fish that's of a low temperature. So I think there could be some little issues, but I, we evolved. Our species evolved cooking things over fires. fires. I right. don't think a, the little bit of smoke that they get from this, unless you're going to eat more than you could possibly eat every day of your life, that it's going to do anything. I think we do fine with it. And I think the benefits of the omega-3s and the clean proteins and all that greatly outweigh so smoking any doesn't affect the the health benefits of the fish either no no it well the cold smoke is preserving it you know because you're not really cooking the fish and you have a and the, all the omega-3s are going to remain in there you're not going to cook any of them out so yeah it's well can we talk about the differences so like you brought in a, a gorgeous platter of fish today what's the difference let's say between like the peppered fish and the candied fish and and how you prepare those versus let's say the trout or the smoked salmon so the main difference between smoked fish is whether it's cold smoked or hot smoked so mm-hmm. the smoked salmon the typical nova or european style smoked salmon it's cold smoked so that is cured we cure that the whole process takes about three days mm-hmm. you, you cure the fish in a salt sugar and spice mix mm-hmm. uh, then it's put into the smoker and smoke is deposited on there and then it a certain amount of moisture you have to dry it a certain amount so that it can slice and then it sits for a day, and then it's sliced and um, packaged. Well, it, is there, I mean, did you basically experiment on a recipe, or is this a hard and fast recipe, and that's what you do when you're smoking? The basic method has yeah, been around in Europe for many years, and then you tweak it and, and um, do the things and find the right raw material and 
clean salt. If I salt. could interrupt here and just explain to you how much more sophisticated it really is to smoke yeah. fish. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ron is sort of all shucks about it. Ron is sort of all shucks about it. There's nothing to it. I just, you know. First smoking. of all, the investment in the smoking equipment was over $500,000. It was no just a little small choice to get into this industrial grade. And I'll go back to the first time I had Ron's product, which was, I don't know, 29 years ago at a place Ron and, and Tony had together called Goodman's Deli on Tuckerman Lane in, in Bethesda, Maryland. Oh. And it's the first time I ever ate smoked fish in my life, and I never forgot it. And Ron and I got in the smoke business again in the early or late 90s and actually sold that to a, a big salmon farm company mm-hmm. and then got back into this business. And when you understand that smoke is not just temperature and not just smoke, but the movement of air, and then when you take 3,000-pound batch and cook it at one time, you have to make sure and understand the movement of air, and you have to look at Filet consistency throughout the whole thing. It is an art as much as it is a science, and you really have to understand the science before you can even begin to become the artist that Ron really is. And he is understating what his talent level is over there. It's a very sophisticated process to put out a seemingly easy product, right? I would call that an unsolicited testimonial. It's it's smoked fish, but it's not. It's the (laughs) best damn smoked fish I've ever had in my life. No, no, no. I mean... Obviously, when you, you guys first body. opened, we I, I, I don't we, right after they opened, we ordered a, a a platter for somebody's. No, it's my go-to. If somebody no, 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 invites but, me but to the their house first, for the weekend, the very first my platter go-to gift. That's that my housewarming gift. There. You guys had just okay. opened, and it blew everybody's socks off. Yeah, it absolutely. Was, I bring it up to my parents. I mean, it's the food, is, so, and they're in New Jersey. I mean, the, the as you listen to them humbly telling you. No, right, right. No, I appreciate that added information because I don't. If you haven't grown up with smoked fish, it's sort of, I mean, it's its very hip right now, and lots of people are now doing it, but this is something you've been doing for a long time, and you've really honed your process. And, and can Go we ahead. get to something? Because, Dave, you're going to have to get to the mic. You're going to okay. have Hello, to say I'm something. I'm here. Okay, so Dave <laughs> is the executive chef at Tony and Joe's. Right. And yeah. Riverside Grill. And Nick's and Riverside, Riverside Grill. Grill. Thank you, Tony. They keep me busy. They keep you really busy. So tell us a little bit about... The men, you know, Ron was the original executive chef. Mm-hmm. You're there now. It's a 30-year span. Obviously, the world has changed greatly. But tell us what you're doing on the menu there now, because you have this massive patio. It is always a crazy scene. How do you feed all those uh, it's people? It's a fun place to work. It is a crazy scene. We're very busy all the time. Um, yesterday, we had a big event. Shuck it. Shuck it. And uh, we had five. Wait, is that one of the seven words? No, I don't think no, so. No, 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 I didn't Andy, say are we okay? No. It, so you went okay. there and people could get shucked. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've lost some of my voice from yesterday. Uh, we were very busy, and it was a great event. Uh, we shucked uh, over 10,000 oysters. So, uh, wow. So bit, yes, it was a busy day. Um, we're doing a lot of cool things down at the harbor. Uh, one of the fun things you were talking about, sustainable seafood, mm-hmm. uh, that I enjoy is verlasso salmon. Um, I'm cooking it on a cedar plank with a little bit of agave and cracked black pepper and red onion, mm-hmm. and we're roasting that in the oven. Okay, and um, where is that salmon from? I feel like I should ask. Uh, Chilean. Okay, So Chilean. it's one of these uh, uh, fish farms that are out in the ocean in mm-hmm. one of these geoballs, and it's super fresh and delicious. And uh, So explain geoball. Well, I think John's going to have to jump back in for that, but... It, John will do it goes anything to what to you were talking about. Right. He just likes Come that on, John. Oh one more time. Microphone hog. Uh, okay. It's just a responsible Wait. way to... It's okay. He, let, let John tell, answer it. ...to farm salmon. It's uh, low-pen density, so there's not over 
amounts of fish in there. Mm -hmm. um, and the feed that they feed them is all sustainable feed. So, and it's ocean, open ocean. The biggest problem with salmon farms is they would have them in coves. Their waste would drop. If there wasn't big storms that came through, that would sit there for in years. Pollution. And it would pollute, and it would bring on disease to the fish. Mm -hmm. So most salmon companies got red rated because of that or because of the practices, not because of the fish itself. Okay, that's great. That's the bad part. All right, anyway. on that, hey. we're going to... Yes, so that, we're, that's We're, we're going to have to take a quick break. Okay. I promise we're going to come back I to can't you. Wait. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Feeding the Beast. We'll be back in just a minute. All right, we're back on Fooding the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Before we forget, Tony Seibel just celebrated his 80th birthday. Happy birthday. He did a podcast with Yay. Andy Ockershausen. He did a podcast with Andy Ockershausen, another teenager. And <laughs> and Tony and Joe just celebrated his 30th birthday, right? 30 years. Look yes. at that, man. Congratulations. Man. Unbelievable. Very oh, the only original restaurant at Washington Harbor. That's correct. Well, he yes, put it the is. others in the ground. That's yeah. They've all right. gone under. All right, so let's go. All right, so I just want to go back. Um, actually, we're going to hit Dave at the end. We want to bring Ron back in and Greg because Ivy City Smokehouse did bring in all this fabulous food today. Mm. And I just want to give people an understanding that there's there's so much going on at Ivy City Smokehouse. You have um, the market downstairs. You have access to all the fabulous smoked fish, but you can also buy fresh fish. And then you can go upstairs to the tavern where you offer a lot of other stuff. So, Greg, do you want to tell us a little bit about, like, the concept there? So, again, as Ron mentioned, it, it, it sort of evolved. We had a space, and we decided, we knew we were going to smoke fish. We knew we wanted to have a market for uh, pro fish at some point. And um, this was the opportunity to put it all together. And we realized if you were going to have a restaurant or tavern in Ivy City, which at the time nobody knew about or came to, mm -hmm. you darn we well We didn't even know it was called Ivy City, <laughs> yeah. just so you know. There you go. Uh, you darn well better have the best raw material product or the best seafood product you can get on the or the best any product. Mm -hmm. David's eating some of the ribs I from Ivy City. I'm eating all the ribs. Anybody, anybody touches these ribs. And in November, our pastrami and smoked, smoked turkey sandwich comes on which are more creations of Ron. But um, Ron and, frankly, Dave Stein helped in the beginning, too. They went through every single raw material and worked extensively and repeatedly at just producing the best, most simplest seafood product we could, which takes an amazing number of bodies to produce. Mm -hmm. That's me on the business side. Hey, if this is so <laughs> simple, no why do we got 12 guys in the kitchen? Right. But, uh, but at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is just making sure the raw materials are there and making sure there's a reason for people to try that travel to Ivy City. And I think Ron and Dave have created that. Well, so Dave, now let's bring you up because yes. I think what's interesting is for people who didn't know before that um, that Tony and Joe's and Ivy City Smokehouse and Nick Riverside's Grill and ProFish were all sort of one family. I mean, you are really getting the freshest product at Tony and Joe's to work Absolutely. with. So Absolutely. does it feel, as a chef, does it feel a little bit like a playground? I mean, do you feel like you have access to things that maybe others don't know about? Or, I mean, because it's it's right there for you. We did, we have fresh fish seven days a week. So uh, uh, anything we want or request is is available very rapidly. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's a pleasure to work with Pro Fish and uh, just take care of the product that they deliver to us in, uh, in the best possible way. Do you ever feel like, do you ever see fish on there that you're like, ooh, I want to do something, I want to try with that? Because you are trying to bring in other species that maybe right. we the experiment. consumer doesn't know as much about. Mm -hmm. We experiment. Um, they're, they're, they're obviously more knowledgeable of the species and the fish at Pro mm -hmm. than we are. 
so I rely on their knowledge, and, and they kind of educate me and push me in the right direction on which products to kind of use. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you can then pass that down yes. to the yeah, consumer. Yeah, and then I do with it whatever kind of comes to me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then, yes, we're, Tony. We're very lucky uh, at Tony and Joe's and Riverside, mm-hmm. and now at uh, Ivy City, we have people that have been with us for over 20 years. That's amazing. It's just amazing. I mean, they're over, there mm-hmm. are over uh, 25 people that work at Tony and Joe's that have been there at least 20 years. We have a few guys in the kitchen right now working uh, Sunday brunch. We're doing a busy Sunday brunch right now. Sunday brunch, Tony Sunday and Joe's brunch. after Foodie and the Beach. Sunday brunch. There you go. <laughs> uh, there's maybe five guys in the kitchen right now mm-hmm. uh, that are all over 25 years. 20 yeah. to 25, 28 years. Well, I mean, that says a lot about all of you Incredible. here in studio. Like you a know? big family, it's really. It's really lovely. Does everybody call Uncle Tony? Yes. Uh, we do. I'm going to start calling you Uncle Tony. Right. Everybody knows he's the boss. I'm going to slip into this deal one way or the other. <laughs> right. You're my Uncle Tony. <laughs> everybody knows he's the boss. Okay. Well, um, well, and so, Dave, just give us, like, a couple of items that you're, like, very excited about with the change of seasons. I mean, eventually it will become fall and winter here. So what are some of the things that you're looking forward to cooking at Tony and okay. Joe's? Um, well, we're changing our fall menu uh, this coming week. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite item is something that just passed a few weeks ago mm-hmm. is fresh soft-shell crabs. Mm-hmm. So they're, that's an interesting process of how they collect peelers and then they go to shedders. And then they're harvested 24 hours a day. Someone has to check because when that crab walks out of his shell, you got to get him out of the. Got to get him fast. You got to get him Mm -hmm. while he's soft and take him out of the water. And so that was my favorite thing to cook. Um, We did it simply uh, with a buttermilk batter and seasoned flour. Uh, It was crispy and delicious. I bet. Yeah. So I think we can all agree it does not pay to come into this world as a crab. It does not (laughs) at all. There's just no upside to any of that part. Based on my experience at the crab and all my seafood, I'm just hoping when I get to the other side, the big guy's not a crab. Not a crab, exactly. (laughs) Well, Clifton, let's go back to you. Hello, Greg. What are you? What are you going to make us for our last cocktail today? Uh, So the last thing that we're going to make is uh, our house cucumber mojito. It's been. By far our best seller this year. Mm-hmm. Um, more of a spring drink, but whenever we began discussing what we were going to do to give back uh, in the wake of the hurricanes, um, we decided the best way to, to make that sacrifice was to choose our best seller and give back based off of that. So um, we use uh, cucumber vodka to make kind of a twist on the classic mojito style. And then mm-hmm. after that, melted fresh mint, cucumbers, of course, simple syrup and a touch of close so how much to is going? It. How much is the drink and how much is going to the charity? Uh, so we do $10 is the cost of the drink, and we are uh, donating 10% of that over the next, um, off each off drink. Each. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, everybody should come and order that. Yeah, undoubtedly. It's one of the best parts about working here is uh, working with this team. Is, is, is as successful as we've been on the business side of things, we want to make sure that we're giving back to the community. Our success is, is, mm-hmm. is there. So we want to make sure we, we participate in all those all those opportunities that we can, and this is our small way of doing that. Well, and so as the GM at Ivy City Tavern, you're, are you, how involved are you with the music? Because you guys have live music all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's He's I've, learning. Uh, yeah, I've, I've I've done. Did I touch a sore spot? Other no. facets. I think we got no, that at it's the end it, of the show. It's one of the most exciting parts of it, but you're it's, it's the one that I'm not touching. Right. Oh, you don't want to hear me sing, though. That's why I pay other people to do it. Uh, but it's it's been an exciting trek over the last uh, little bit, trying to figure out who we want to be. Uh, on the stage and, and, and opening up um, possibilities there. So we've got a lot of a lo- local talent that comes through. Mm-hmm. We're looking for regional and national next. Um, and just keeping keeping it rolling and watch 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 the dinner crew roll over 
uh, into more of a, a no, dancing. I have a band. I did, uh, no, he doesn't. Well, no, he doesn't. I don't believe, don't believe him. He don't believe great him. Band. My, uh, my granddaughter, a shark. who's a junior at the University of Colorado, is a singer. Yeah. Oh. And at our 30th anniversary party two she weeks ago, she came and sang with our band. She's terrific. Oh, how much fun. She's going to be working over Uncle at Uncle Tony is part of the band. <laughs> <laughs> so the tell. one thing we haven't really talked about is when you go to Ivy City, there's a restaurant, and it's fabulous, but you guys have a deck. A patio. That is, oh, it's, yeah. it's a deck. That's not a patio. A okay, patio is ground level. That's no, a deck, okay. and it's awesome. And it's it's beautiful. Out there in the world, and actually, if you look, if you look out, you can see the cranes that are changing D.C. You got a great view of everything and in the summer. This weather, there's nothing more perfect than being How, out on that but day. But both Tony and Joe's, Nick's Riverside Grill and Ivy City, go ahead, Dave. You can get over there. Well, you I'm, all have fabulous outdoor areas. We have yeah. a patio. It's right. really second to none. In, excuse me, in Washington D.C. I mean, I'm sure on a day the like river, today or yesterday, I mean, crushed. it's standing room only. It, it's incredible. It's a beautiful view. It's right. spectacular. You, you know, we've always wanted to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. We just in the last three weeks, we've had two affairs, one for JFGH, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful organization that takes care of challenged people. Mm-hmm. So we had a big Sunday brunch for them and raised some money. And then uh, a week ago, Monday, there's a new uh, building being built in Rockville for challenged people that can live there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we raised it. Main uh, Street. Main Street, it's going to be called. Okay. And uh, in one night, we raised $150,000. Oh, isn't that nice. amazing? All right. Well, you get applause for that. Yeah, that's, that's great. wonderful. Well, we, you know, we, we've always been charitable. All right. Well, unfortunately, the show's about to wrap up. Let's make sure that everybody knows where all your various and sundry endeavors are. Let's start with Tony and Joe's. You are on the waterfront. We're on the waterfront in Georgetown. Just celebrating 30 years, mm-hmm. best seafood restaurant in the city, the best chef in town, one of the two oh my, best he's got chefs. The, he just wrote, I want to raise. Don't do right, that. Right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm kicking him right, under the table. Right. Okay, right. Greg. Right. Ivy City. Ivy City Smokehouse, located in Ivy City section of Washington, D.C., going out Route 50 is a new smokehouse, about a year and a half old, run by, owned and operated by uh, Ron Goodman and myself, and uh, the best smoked fish in in, in America, that. frankly. All right, and right. lastly, quickly, how to get in touch with ProFish if you want great, sea, great seafood for your restaurant. Uh, ProFish.com. Uh, that's the way to do it. It's like ProFish.com. ProFish.com is the way to do it. Plus, for people who go to ProFish.com, you can also find out about fish and sustainability and everything. Our, our website is open to the public, right. and we yes, have more information there. on there. I'm going to jump in I quickly. Know, we're done. Follow Nikki on the list, areyouonit.com. Everything you heard about today is you'll find on the list and a lot more, and follow her on WTOP every Thursday at 1240. Everybody have a delicious week.